Hello, everyone, and welcome to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free. I'm your host, Aaron White. Today, I have not just a review for you, but also a corresponding interview, one that I had been looking forward to for a long, long time. I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on a sports documentary that I was blessed enough to be able to see the world premiere of at Sundance Film Festival earlier this year in 2023, and immediately I wanted to get a chance to sit down with these filmmakers and have a conversation about the documentary. Took a while for it to happen, but here we are, and I'm excited to share that after the review. So to get started, the film is Stephen Curry Underrated from A24 and Apple TV. It features Reggie Miller, Stephen Curry, Del Curry, Bob McKillop, Kevin Durant, Jason Richards, Sonia Curry, Brandon Payne, Sean Brown, Matt Matheny, Candy Adams, Lexus Safford, Mercedes Safford, Ryan Curry, Gail Kaufman, Cannon Curry, Riley Curry, Aisha Curry, Andrew Lovedale, Jim Fox, Thomas Sander, Michael Cruz, Lauren Biggers, and Steve Rossiter. It is directed by Peter Nix. Director of photography is Sean Havey. Music is by Nathan Matthew David. And it is edited by J.D. Marlowe. The runtime is 110 minutes, and it is rated PG-13 for brief, strong language. What's it about? The remarkable coming-of-age story of one of the most influential, dynamic, and unexpected players in the history of basketball, Stephen Curry. This feature documentary blending intimate cinema verite archival footage, and on-camera interviews documents Curry's rise from an undersized college player at a tiny backwater Division I college to a four-time NBA champion, building one of the most dominant sports dynasties in the world. Full disclosure, I'm a huge NBA fan and a huge Stephen Curry fan as well. This is a basketball player who quite literally redefined the sport. His prowess from behind the three-point line as a shooter is unrivaled and has created a world in which pretty much every single team tries to emulate the style of play that Steph brought into the league about a decade ago. Now, this documentary is not all about Steph's play on the court. I think it had to be awfully tempting for director Peter Nix to just go the traditional sports biography route of making an extended highlight reel. He could have cut frequently to the well-known basketball talent who would wax poetic about Steph's incredible skill, backed by montages of endless, difficult three-pointers and layups. But Nix wisely avoids that route, and with some brilliant editing choices by J.D. Marlowe, He and his filmmaking team crafted a heartfelt and honest journey, beginning with Steph's unlikely rise, despite his physical attributes, going through his playing career thus far, and then also with a through line of Steph working to fulfill his promise that he made to his mother about finishing his college degree. All the while, while pointing out the triumphs, and the challenges of all three of those things. Steph trying to get his degree is probably the primary reason this documentary exists. This is a very important part of his legacy, something that Steph really wanted to do to make his parents 
proud. His relationship with his family is on full display here, and it's just a joy to see. You really get a sense of being part of his family. You get the vibe that Steph is the same guy all the time, both when the cameras are on and when the cameras are off. His family is very, very important to him, and that comes through the camera quite strongly. We find out in the documentary that Steph actually was the only player under Coach Bob McKillop, the Davidson head coach where he went to college, not to have his degree. So there's an added layer of pressure there, something that he wants to fulfill in order to keep that legacy alive for this man who was a mentor and so meaningful in his life. Now, of course, the documentary is full of outstanding archival footage that showcases Steph's immense talent, but they do have quite a bit of unflattering play shown as well, which I thought reminded us that you don't achieve the level of success that Curry was able to without a lot of work, support, and determination. Two things that have really always mattered most to Steph are his family, as I mentioned, and then also his team. And those are centered in this documentary frequently. We see how important they are in making him the man and the player he is today. It's not just about him, though. It's not a documentary meant to propel him up on some stage as this massive, heroic presence. Steph truly believes in showering those around him with the credit, too. He refuses to take it all on himself. He's a very naturally humble person, and I think it makes it really easy to root for him, both in real life and while watching this narratively driven story about his life. In what is probably one of the best aspects of the documentary, the final act parallels the amazing Curry-led Elite Eight run by Davidson in the 2008 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament and Curry's fourth world title with the Golden State Warriors in 2022. It is exceptionally well-crafted and riveting. It is just truly cinematic material that grabs your attention and makes it un- makes you unable to look away even if you know the ultimate results of what is coming you find yourself with that feeling of being on the edge of your seat it further also shows how much steph has overcome being overlooked and doubted his entire life this is an earnest energetic crisply shot expertly edited scored and directed character piece. I think it is one of the better sports documentaries that I have ever seen, and I've seen a lot. Stephen Curry Underrated will be streaming on Apple TV Plus on July 21st, and I am very excited for everyone out there to get a chance to see it and enjoy it, much like I have. Stay tuned next for my interview with two of the filmmakers, director Peter Nix, and producer and director of photography Sean Havey. Good morning, gents. I'm Aaron, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to speak with me on the Feel and Film podcast. 
I've kind of gotten this together so that most questions are really for both of you. So just chime in wherever you guys see fit. And to start, I just want to ask how this came to be. This seems to be a very personally important story for Steph. And I was wondering if you had a relationship with him before the documentary or what led to you guys being the pick to put this work together? Yeah. So I, you know, I started a company with Ryan Kugler, joined, joined his company a few years ago, Pro Proximity Media. Steph and Ryan have known each other for a number of years. I don't, I didn't personally know Steph, but I've, I've been making films in the Bay Area for north of 10 years. So I do, do things on the documentary side. And Ryan obviously does fiction. And, you know, Steph felt that it was time for him to tell a part of his story, which was, you know, he had made this promise to his mom back in 2008 when he left Davidson College to, to go into the NBA draft that he would graduate. He would fulfill the promise that he made to her to graduate. And he had tried to do it during the NBA lockout back in 2011. 2011. Oh. Couldn't quite, couldn't quite get there. And he, he, he decided that this was the year that he was going to do it. And, you know, what better time, what better chance than to roll the cameras uh, on that effort. And then in the process, you know, go, go back and look at his coming of age at Davidson. So that was the sort of framework for the idea. I wish we had some footage of that, that lockout. We were, he, he told a story. He's like, yeah, I roll up in, in my G-Wagon, so oh, like oh, pop man. out my books. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, like, tell me somebody would it's roll great, on that, please. That would have been such good footage. It's a great story. We couldn't find that footage. No, yet. it didn't exist. He didn't want to make a spectacle of it, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it seems that to be a very common theme throughout the documentary, something you guys capture very well. Things like his rap in the school cafeteria area oh, well, that's <laughs> it's just absolutely brought the house down when that played at sundance yeah. there's got to be some advantages and disadvantages i would assume to capturing this story before his life is done did you have to kind of think through that uh, and and plan for that or you know is there is there a follow-up documentary that could happen yeah i mean i think i think it's it is a question you know when you're thinking about someone with his notoriety his level of fame, like the why now question is, is significant. You think about, you know, like the last dance, like Jordan, that was like years after, you know, that, that happened. It was really about this moment of fulfilling this promise to his mom. You know, his kids are getting older and it was, education is very important to him, to his mom. He was really starting to feel like, you know, he didn't want his kids just to see him as this like celebrity basketball player and, and uh, you know that the simplicity of that that notion that he wanted to document his attempt to fulfill this promise to his mom and then in the process tell his coming of age story which really didn't have a whole lot to do with sort of like the nuts and bolts of his his day-to-day -day now other than it being the foundation was attractive to him and also to us as, a, as storytellers because I had I didn't know much of anything about his time at Davidson other than remembering watching the final four, yep. you know, in 2008. But I would say to just add on that, like Pete and I, you know, all of our films are pretty much rooted in observational filmmaking. So the fact that he, it, this isn't a, a complete retrospective sort of film that we are in the now, like following him through the season. We have a lot of experience with that, right? Because all of our films essentially to date have done exactly that where we're in real time documenting something. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was actually exciting because because it wasn't just a look back. We knew that something interesting could happen. Yeah, and I remember and an early meeting. Anytime with... Pete's involved, like <laughs> too, like interesting. <laughs> like if you look at all of his films, 
something goes down. Crazy things happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of the force. I wanted to mention that so that hopefully oh, people seek you. it out. Got to see that at Seattle International Film Festival a few years ago. And, and great, thank you. great story there. Uh, speaking of just following him around and trying to capture this. So, Sean, you did most of the camera work. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So what's that like? What, how did you approach this? Did you follow him during the NBA season? Were you just always ever present with a camera, just kind of hoping to capture a conversation? What's it like to do that in the documentary style? You know, he's the probably the biggest uh, name and face I've worked with. Like I said, I mean, I shot Homeroom, which was a, an intense year um, with uh, Oakland High School students. I shot through, a little bit. Yeah, going through COVID. Uh, I'm used to doing, you know, really long days holding a camera and just waiting for those little those little glimmers of exposition or moments that sort of yield something that is clarifying to a person's character. And so it was really, I mean, besides the fame being around stuff, it, it was kind of just like a regular, you know, it's kind of just normal. And I will say that he he makes you feel very like he's just kind of like your friend like just like a regular person honestly he's never he's not he's just as he seems in my experience he's not pretentious at all you ask him a question like no matter what it is uh, or if you just want to like banter a little bit he's always willing to do that and so i felt very comfortable with him pretty quickly that's not surprising honestly from everything we've seen from him very much seems like a genuine guy did you feel like you got lucky with the championship being the year that you decided to do this, I'm I'm curious how the documentary might have looked different if the Warriors had not won. I think the Warriors got lucky. They, the they Warriors, got lucky the because they hired lucky. us. Oh, like, you brought them the champion. Yeah, of course. Get, no did you get a ring? We need I mean, a ring. Yeah. No. Contact Steve Kerr. Yeah. We could share it. But that's legitimate. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's documented like evidence that we that things happen when we <laughs> make a documentary. Not always good, but this, this yeah, one turned good. out well. It could have it actually could have gone the other direction. Yeah, we one time we a pandemic happened. While yeah, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> but going back to I mean, your question's interesting because it would have been a significantly different film had that. I mean, it still had it still had drive it, because of the the Davidson degree. You know, that was supposed to be the modern day we were program. unclear about that right right and we That's didn't true. even know we didn't even at one point it was very dicey right because we didn't know we certainly didn't expect that they're going to win the championship but we didn't even know if he was going to be able to fulfill right this promise because, because it's davidson's hard. like serious about their academics this wasn't like an honorary degree he actually did the work he had to do the work yeah which you yeah. know, you, you get a sense from his day-to-day -day schedule. He, this guy is scheduled to the minute. Right. He has a day job. He does. He works out twice every day. And then, like, every other day, he plays <laughs> professional yeah. court, right? Like, yeah. And there was a dearth. We didn't have as much footage from his time at Davidson as, you know, we wanted, you know. And, and, and so, you know, we there was a number of interviews that are on the cutting room floor that we probably would have utilized. You know, Marcus Thompson, the writer from The Athletic. Jeff Van Gundy, Alan Iverson, Muggsy Bogues, those all ended up on the cutting room floor. Sorry. Oh, Sorry, folks. As a fan, that, that Sorry, stinks. Jeff. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. I want that stuff in uh, some sort of special features. Give I know, features. Physical release of this or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll speaking of do. the edit, I will say one of the things that really stood out to me about this film was the exceptional work by J.D. Marlowe, your editor. Shout out to J.D. Particularly in that final segment, when 
you have the parallel seasons of Davidson's run and the championship season by the Warriors. It was one of the most cinematic, energetic, engaging pieces of sports documentary filmmaking. And, I, and I've watched a ton of sports documentaries. Put that on the poster. It, it's awesome. And I just wanted to, I wondered how that kind of came about. How much was he responsible for for those match cuts that story yeah 100% yeah yeah he he brought that to us he it was sort of i think a little serendipitous there's a step back three at some point in that in that montage oh, and it just kind of worked out and he showed that to Pete and I and we were like do more of that you know because at that point in the story not to get too in the weeds we're kind of away from the Davidson story which is in a large in large part like sort of the heart of the film and so we wanted to harken back to that a little bit in that montage and those match cuts that was totally jd i mean obviously we supported his his vision there but uh yeah i mean he's a wonderful he's a great collaborator uh wonderful editor yeah and he he found he found the magic in the sort of emotional journey you know you know you know the, the fact that he came from davidson and the fact that they fell short in in 2008 that he he fell short in making this promise to his mother sort of narratively for them that warriors to reach the promised land that season after significant challenges steph got hurt yep. again right you know was really quite quite remarkable yeah absolutely and other things that stood out to me was how in most sports documentaries the focus is almost entirely on highlights you could consider them to be almost like extended sports center top 10 reels you made a concerted effort to show a ton of unflattering play by Steph and what was behind the choice to do that I think stakes narrative narratively it worked really really well and emphasized the support and the you know how coach McKillop after that disastrous game against eastern Michigan where I think he turned the ball over oh, 14 times yes what does he call it his triple double but he had like 14 steals yeah you know I mean that that was powerful and then to see him come back against in that next game against Michigan, which is not like it's like a big time college program, and to find his voice, even even the beginning of that game, he shot an air ball. Right. He turned the ball over a few times. Right. And then he kept he clicked going. He, he he didn't give up. You know, was really powerful. But also a testament to like what if, and we would ask ourselves this question, you know, throughout the process, like what if he was uh, recruited by a a major D one school, right? Mm -hmm like Kansas or, or Duke, like they would have pulled him and he wouldn't have got the, he wouldn't have been able to work through those, those failures or those mistakes. Well, you, you need the external person, like, you know, the decision for the coach to put you back in, but you also need the internal, the self-confidence and that story of, of telling his coming of age story and meeting his grandma candy and his cousins, Mercedes and Lexus. And understanding the family that he came from really important to understanding where that, you know, obviously he had, he had a chip on his shoulder, but he had this really, this reservoir of self-confidence that, that I do think, you know, came from who his parents were, how they raised him, yeah. the importance of family in his life that made a huge difference in his ability to push through these difficult moments. Yeah, Sonia Curry is one of the best parts of this documentary. Every time she says something, you just lock into it and you realize how much of a great presence she's been in his life. That maybe that part of the answer to this next question, but I've got to ask this. So everyone pretty much universally knows him as Steph. That's what he's referred to as. He's called Steph. 
But you titled this documentary, Stephen Curry, Underrated. And in pretty much every single quote, anytime there's, there's him talked about in text in the documentary with subtitles, it's always Stefan, 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 Stefan. What was yeah. behind that? It felt very intentional. Yeah, well, I, th I think what's happening there, and I'm not completely sure, and I, I switch it up a little bit. Like when I'm talking to him, I call him Steph, hey, Steph as do a lot of people, his family calls him Stefan. Yeah. And I think it is... He prefers that, actually. He prefers it. And I think I think it has something to do with that private, personal family space that is his own, that is separate from his identity as the way we know him as this this, this NBA superstar. And I think there's something that, that's comforting for, for him about that. Just yeah. don't call him Stephen. That's all don't I Don't call him Stefan. Oh, goodness gracious. That's well, I think it, I think what you're saying makes sense because it, it gives the documentary much more personal feel. I, I felt incredibly invited into his family and his world in a way that is not usual. Usually it's very, I don't know, honorific of a player and not so much like you're you're being shown all of their warts and and all of their yeah. struggles along the way. And I appreciate yeah, that. It was, it was very real. And the first time that we went to his house, like, He's got his son cannons running around, throwing water bottles, throwing us. water bottles, and all of a sudden we're kind of like half babysitting cannon, and it 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 just that's awesome. There's just no pretense to it, and it's it is refreshing to get that perspective on on you know even you know I'm sure different types of celebrities or superstars handle themselves in their private life differently, but we were really. Not surprised. It's kind of what I expected because I, I I sensed an authenticity in him every time I I saw him speaking in news conferences. But to see you know his relationship with his kids and his relationship with Aisha and his relationship with his, his family was what really was refreshing. It's great. Yeah, my only note for you guys was we needed more Riley content. Riley I Curry wow. is a superstar. Yeah. Well, she was. Remember, she she was uh, <laughs> uh, at that press conference. Right? She was uh, the first uh -huh. win. The first I, I feel like the kids. I don't want to misspeak, but I feel like they were the the uh, the daughters were mostly in school while we were, we were there. It was more Cannon's canon. like Cannon's, Cannon's like preschool. <laughs> it's hilarious. So a, yeah, yeah. So yeah he's he's our, stole the show. He's our he did. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, last question for you guys. Just something I like to do on this show. We really approach things from the emotional perspective, as you probably imagine from the name of the podcast being Feel and Film. So we like to ask our guests, what is a movie that emotionally impacts you? Something that you think of that really just gets your emotions going. It could be any emotion at all, but something that has stood the test of time and impacted you in a significant way. Nonfiction or fiction? Absolutely nonfiction or fiction. Oh man, I needed this well, question. I needed to think about this. It, it, I, I, got, I know exactly what I'm going to say because it was the film that I watched here in DC. I, I went to Howard and I saw this film called Hoop Dreams mm. and I was uh, completely blown away by, I'd never seen a documentary with that kind of in intimacy and with that kind of emotional resonance and a commitment to following characters over time. And that was the film that, you know, led me to becoming a documentary filmmaker. Fantastic. And coincidentally, it's a, about another basketball story. Yeah, no doubt. It's a tough one, man. I don't know. There's so many. There's so many. I, you, I, you I was talking about, Cave, Forgotten, I, I know, Cave. I was going to say Cave of Forgotten Dreams is like top okay. five documentary for me. Is that Herzog? Yeah, Herzog film Herzog. about sort of the sort of quintessential elements to 
man, you know, and that is art, just like creating art. And what separated us from early hominids was uh, Homo sapiens' desire to create art. And right. that always, I don't know, it always moves me. It's like, you know, I sort of am an artist now. And, Not sort uh, of. You guys, this this was outstanding, an exceptional, exceptional documentary. I, I have been raving about it since Sundance. Can't wait for my friends to all get a chance to see it. So thank you for making it. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me about it. I, I wish you nothing but the best as it finally gets to come out for everybody to, to take a look at. Well, thanks, Aaron. Awesome. Thanks, Aaron. Next Sundance. Let's hang out. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for coming. To I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. Okay. See you. Okay. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode of FF Plus. Hopefully, you enjoyed hearing my thoughts on the Stephen Curry documentary and my conversation with filmmakers Peter Nix and Sean Havey. I know I had a blast, and I really do hope that that translated well for the listening experience. As always, all of my social contacts are in the show notes to each and every episode. Please give me a follow, hook up, let's chat about movies, what you see. I love to do that all the time. Thank you, as always, for listening, for subscribing, for sharing with your friends. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling the film.